Hey, this is Dungeon Master Mitch. And this is Dungeon Master Chris. We're really excited to be bringing you our first Patreon Dragon Raffle here live, quote unquote, because <laughs> it's not live, but we're we are doing it right now. We're pulling yeah. from the cup. As We've we got uh, my goblet of fire, as we have named it, and we have everyone's names in this goblet, each for whatever amount of dollars they have pledged. So, Chris, would you like to do the honors, and we'll find I out would. this winner of this raffle will win a stomp drawstring bag to be able to carry around with them wherever they go so they can bring their D&D books and their D&D dice whenever they go and DM for people in another area of the world. <laughs> Alright, I got the Alright, let's see. Who is it? Roll in. It's Dungeon Master Chris! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Philip Main yeah, Prize is our winner good job. For, this, That's awesome. for this month of the raffle. You will be excited for that. Philip Main Prize, way to win. Alright, next raffle next month, we'll broadcast it right here, live again. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other players at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And we are joined again today by our good friend from New York, Andrew. How are you? Hi, guys. The Armadillo, as we called him the last time he was on the League of Legends lore podcast edition. The League of Legends legend himself. Yes, that's what we're going to be doing again today. We're going to be bringing you some some lore from uh, the League of Legends world, from specifically the land of Shirima. Uh, last time we did the Frail Yard, we're getting a little bit warmer this week, going to the desert land of Shirima. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot of fun NPCs, a lot of cool features and history that happened throughout this world. Uh, but before we get into that, we have a couple of shout-outs that we want. Uh, to, to talk about this week. So Mitch, why don't you start us off? Of course. Uh, so the first five-star shout-out we have is entitled Great Resource, and it's by Renestro. Uh, he says, I've been a DM since 1982, and I'm always looking for good resources to draw from. This is one of the best I've come across in over 30 years of playing. That's a that's a long time that's, to be playing. That's, that's, that's very humbling. That. <laughs> that's Thank super you. humbling. That's, yeah. Uh, most other sources that claim to be DM-focused deal with Way too much rules, uh, errata, etc. This one talks about the art of running a good game told from a group of guys who clearly have a real understanding of the, and then in parentheses it says, I think, obvious fact that the actual rules are probably the least important part of the equation. Keep up with this excellent podcast. Well, thank you so much, Ernesto. That was a, like Chris said, a very humbling review. We yeah. appreciate that so much. Yep. The next one is from Crazy Drummer, or Kersey Dermer, if you <laughs> say it without any of the vowels, as he, he wanted to put it in there. Uh, this is a five-star review. says, must subscribe for all DMs. He writes, if you have DM'd or are DMing, or think you might ever DM, then this is the podcast for you. You will create a love-slash-hate relationship with the ideas from this podcast. 
you will love them all and hate that you're ha- that you aren't playing seven days a week to use them all. <laughs> this is the best thing since Betty White, born 1992, <laughs> six years before the invention of sliced bread. So that's why we're better than sliced bread. Oh we gosh. are way better than Betty White. So thank you so you, much. Can you imagine playing D and D seven days a week? <laughs> I that too much that would of a be, good thing maybe. If I was DMing, that would be absolutely crazy. Trying yeah. to come oh, up with everything gosh. every week, DMing seven uh, every single no, day. Yeah, that would be that'd be crazy. Love it, but couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, I love it, but I there's no <laughs> way that I could possibly do that every single day of the week. But, but thank you, Kersey Dermer. Yeah, thank you very much, Kersey Dermer. Uh, without any further ado, let's get into the story time for this week. Story time, the time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. So Chris, uh, this last week I was in New York, uh, actually staying at Andrew's house with him. Uh, we I had some Family stuff come up, and so a I had a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah, for family we've had. Stuff. We've been trying to play my campaign for the past three, three weeks, weeks. I think. Yeah, and yeah. every time, first it was family stuff with you. No, no. no. First, first it was, it was family, family stuff, stuff with, with Mar- Magic, Magic Mark. Mark. Hashtag Magic Mark. Then it it was like, oh, we won't play because it's family stuff. We yep. don't want to have a miss because like who want we don't you know. It was something that was out of our control. Yeah. It wasn't like you were missing for some dumb reason. Yeah, it was like and a legit so reason. We were yeah. like, all right, we'll play. I don't remember what we did that night, but we. Did something else that uh, night. I think, yeah, I think we just played like Some board kind of games game, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so then the next week, you had family stuff. Yeah, we were like, <laughs> we were about ready to play. It was like six o'clock. We we ordered Buffalo yeah. Wild Wings. Went and got and it. Got came an back and I was like, dude, I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah, you gotta go. Yeah. And so we weren't able to play that week. Uh, Mar- Magic Mark and uh, Caleb got here and we're like, oh, let's play and. Uh, I said, nope, can't, yeah, I can't either. do it either. Guess what happened? Yeah. Uh, and then last week, <laughs> family stuff on my end happened. So now we've, we joked around. We're like, all right, we're going to play. We're planning to play my campaign this week. It's Caleb's turn. Yeah, the <laughs> only person that's left is Caleb, I think, to have something happen. And we're so just like, that would be awful. We've joked like, that this, this campaign session is cursed right yeah. now. So. Uh, if something happens this week, I might have to scratch my campaign. Yeah, we're just we're just never gonna like DM or play D and D again. We're just like, nope, can't do it. But can't so in it. my absence, uh, I I told you, you know, you guys need to play D and D. We haven't played for a while. Like, definitely play D and D. But you didn't want to go bad, into yeah. your actual campaign that we you've been doing. So you right. said, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to explore my world more. Uh, for me to uh have a one-shot where we get to do some things that we haven't done in a while and try some cool things out. You got some uh, some input, some yeah. ideas and input from people on our from our Patreon member dragons on our forums uh, for what you for an NPC uh, because well you'll talk about that later. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit because this is the first time me and Andrew are hearing about this. We didn't get to enjoy this. Tell us a little yeah. bit about this story time and what happened during this night. So we were we were kind of like we were. I, I I Facebook messaged everybody and I was like, hey, we know that we've had a lot of stuff going on, but I still want to get together and play. Like we have three people who are still interested in playing. Like I can DM just a one shot. It's like two days before. I was like, I can put something together that's fun and just interesting in, in a couple of days. And uh, I threw out some ideas. I was like, we could, you know, we could explore the giants of the north. We could, you know, we could explore wherever, basically wherever you want in my world. And so they decided, yeah, let's let's explore the the giants of the north. What 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 what's happening up there? 
And so I was like, okay, what do you guys want to play as? Do you want to play like all as the same type of character or, or do you want to play as a bunch of different ones that you just throw together real quick? And, and, uh, one of our friends, Jason, he's, he's been on the Geek Wars episode. If yep. you listen to that, if you haven't, you haven't gotten to taste, uh, any, anything that Jason has put out there you yet. You haven't become a, uh, bronze dragon. Yeah, become a bronze <laughs> dragon for $1 a month. But, uh, so, so he was, he threw out the idea. What if we all played as kobolds? And so we were like, yes. Don't <laughs> even say sweet. like that. Sounds when like I heard so that much you guys fun. were doing yeah. that, I was pretty jealous. Yeah, that so I we're, be here. we're playing as small, little, like two and a half foot tall lizard creatures who Fighting like to stay giants. in <laughs> who like to stay in temperate forests or in caves, going up to the frozen wastelands of North Otham in my world to explore the frost giants and fire giants of the north. <laughs> and so you have these like you have like these two and a half foot tall kobolds fighting against 15-foot-tall giants. And so that created so much fun for, for the guys and, and just for my world, too. And it, it had it was quite significant to the history of my world for the giants, too, what ended up happening. So it wasn't just all done in vain, but it was just it was something that was fun that was done that week. So they they were each a part of a different guild. We had, we had one character who, uh, his name was Stinky Pete, uh, <laughs> played by Paladin Caleb. Um, he was a... He was a dragon priest, is what he was. So he was, he was, he was leveling up. He wanted to get to level eight so he could use his natural armor or his natural weapons and stuff like that. And if you don't know what a, a dragon priest is, go and look it up for the Kabul. It's pretty stinking awesome. Uh, we had another guy who, his name was Snitch, who was played by Jason. That's a really who, good Kabul name. Yeah. Snitch. Yeah. But he was, he was, no, he was a barbarian who, which I think I told you about this. He was a barbarian who thought he was a wizard, but carried around a spell book who actually couldn't cast spells (laughs) and his friend. And what was in the spell book? Actual spells? uh, No, it was, he thought every single time a spell was happening, he was the first person to ever create it. So he carried around a spell book and a pencil or whatever it was he was writing with and like put these markings in there, which he thought was his own language. And so he was like writing these things down in the spell book. That really meant nothing. Because he's an illiterate Because he's an illiterate barbarian. <laughs> the joke was, he never really got to do this, but the joke was when we were creating these characters that he wanted to, like, have these spells, like, think he was trying to cast these spells, and then he'd get so pissed off because they wouldn't work, he would throw his book down and become enraged, and that's how he, like, got all of his bonuses for being a barbarian <laughs> and stuff, but uh, he, he had a friend who his name was Sheldon the Timid, uh, Sheldon the Timid Kobold, played by Mark, Magic Mark. Who, of course, was a, a a mage, who or a wizard who specialized in electric spells. So he called himself an electromancer, and so he he was he was Snitch's friend, who would cast spells from like behind him to make Snitch like feel good about himself. So they were all a part of like this mages guild, like Caleb and and uh, Mark and and Jason. Right. They were all a part of this mages <laughs> guild. But Jason's character slept in the closet with the janitor, uh, like because he like that was Wait, how the janitor he... slept in the closet too. <laughs> no, no, no. He was sorry. He slept in the closet and was under the like... janitor's closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the janitor's closet. And he was slept under. In the closet he was with the janitor. Yes, whatever. Uh, and he he to keep make sure that he was staying a part of the mages guild. They let him like quote unquote train with him, but he had to earn his keep by being a janitor at the same time. So he was like a part of this guild at the same time. They always were like. He was kind of the joke of the guild, but he also was like, everybody was like trying to build him up and like make him feel good about himself because they really didn't want to be the one to tell the enraged barbarian that like really terrible form of hazing. Yeah, yeah, it kind of was. But so every time he would like cast a spell, he would like put his hands out 
and like do these crazy signs and like make these crazy noises and then there was always a delay <laughs> yeah there was always like this delay like between when he would say things like about a round every single time and then the spell would go off and so everybody would just say to him you know you're just different like it just takes a little while for your spells to happen it's okay like it's no big deal <laughs> you're just different. yeah and so and then my brother i forget what his character's name was uh drazim was his character's name and he was he was a rogue character uh, so he was just, he was the guy that did all of the sneaking for the group. But so basically what they had to do is they, they got this letter from the king telling them that they had to go and do this covert mission against the giants to have something happen to the giants at the end of this mission. And so they got this letter, snuck out of their guilds. They weren't supposed to be allowed out of their guilds in the middle of the night. Like they're supposed to stay there. Like they're, they're, they're there to train. They're not there to have fun and do all this other stuff out in the city. Uh, so the three, the three mages sneak out. Jason's character can't read, so he gets this letter, but he can't read it. So he gets woken up by the janitor in the middle of the night, who's in on the whole deal with a broomstick to the head, saying like, <laughs> "Get out of here, you dummy! Like, go see, go see the king of the city. He's got this mission for you." Uh, my brother's character is a rogue. He had to try and like sneak out of the rogue's house, which is like littered with traps for them to try and get through in the middle of the night. He discovers this pit trap in the floor. It's a five foot jump. He rolls a two. And falls into the pit. And so it's a, it's a <laughs> 10 foot drop into this pit. It's, he only had to jump five feet across Which is the pit. Huge for Kowold. <laughs> yeah. But like, he had to roll, I think I had made him roll like a 10 to get across. And he's got like this crazy like dexterity modifier and stuff already. And so I had him roll it. And he just epically failed and falls down this pit. I was like, oh, this is not starting out well <laughs> for our rogue. Uh, so they, they get out there. They meet this NPC that, uh, thankfully our Patreon members helped us create, which was stinking awesome. This guy is crazy. He's got some pretty cool attributes. He was, let's just say he was captured by the frost giants at one point in time, had to free himself a specific way. And you, yeah, I really when, like you the stuff when you listen, the when you listen to him, you'll, you'll, yeah, when you, me. when you listen to what happens to him, you'll understand, like, he's got some pretty crazy mannerisms, manurisms, <laughs> man, whatever Flawful Jared said, <laughs> manur, manurisms, because of what he had to do to escape. And so that's, it's he's such a cool NPC. I, I I will probably bring him back if you guys ever play in that area at that specific time again. I'll probably have him come back or make appearances every once in a while because he's just so stinking cool. Uh, but so they had to go on this mission. They had to first go through the through the Underdark to sneak into uh, the northern part of the realm without being noticed by wandering frost giants and everything to get as close as they could to um, to the frost giant lair. They had to go, they had to sneak into the frost giant lair without getting stepped on by these frost giants outside. Like, they, there were some patrols that went back and forth from the frost giant lair that got really close to them while they were in the snow. Uh, how they got close to the, the mountain was pretty cool. Uh, they had to, they had to come up with some pretty unique ways to sneak past frost giants on the way up this path to their, their mountains, uh, which, which they had some pretty, pretty unique ideas that made for a really cool story. Uh, they, they had to sneak into the frost giant lair without being noticed. They had to like duck and weave behind furniture and stuff like that behind pillars. There was one part where they had to go down a frost slide, which they had to like use their daggers to like drag themselves around corners so they wouldn't get flung off into like into this bottomless pit and stuff like that. They had to f- go through jumps and stuff like that on this on this frost slide to get through. Uh, for the frost giants, it's like this is just like it's just like a gradual walkway down for them. For these guys, it's like huge, and they like they can't like keep their balance, so they're sliding down this this big pathway to get to where they need to go. At one point in time, they they have to break into the frost giant's vault that's in this mountain for a specific reason. 
Uh, and so at one point in time, the rogue has to, like, he has to steal a key from this 15-foot tall, like, the king is the only, the king of the Frost Giants is the only one that has his key. And so he's, like, sitting, he's sitting in his on his throne, just, like, he's got, like, this scribe next to him who's just boring the crap out of him, as, like, scribes would do to the kings, like, trying to recite everything that's going on to this king. And so the king's just kind of, like, sitting there, like, barely paying attention. They had cast, like, invisibility on themselves, so they're sneaking into, like, this king's lair. My brother has to climb up the chair of this this king's... Uh, he has to climb up the throne of the king's... Of where the king is sitting. Fails epically at it a couple of times. The guys have to, like, catch him and, like, make sure he doesn't make any noise, like, going down it. Uh, he eventually steals the key from, from the king of the Frost Giants. They get to the vault. They open up the vault door, and there's something they have to do in there. They do it, and then... All, all heck breaks loose for them at that point in time. So one, one story that I want to share that's kind of funny and interesting. There's, there's some sweet parts throughout this whole night, but, uh, one story where they go through the Underdark in particular. They, uh, they are walking through this tunnel, and all of a sudden at the end of this tunnel, I just described to him, I was like, you see this sphere just kind of sitting there. Looks like it has some stalks coming off the top of it. And they're all like, oh crap. Like, we're level eight kabolds. That's a freaking beholder. Like, what the heck are we going to do to these things? And they get closer, and they get closer, and it's not moving. It doesn't look like it's floating off the ground or anything like that. It's just it's just sitting there. They get closer, and they get closer, and they see, like, crossbow bolts and slashes in it and stuff like that. And they see, like, some dead drow that are just riddled throughout this whole cavern area. Like, it looks like they, it looks like they killed this beholder, and they just, like, left their dead behind, or all of the people that were fighting this beholder died at the same time, and so there was nobody really to take care of these bodies or take care of this beholder. It's just kind of, like, laying there. And so Jason's character, uh, Snitch, he's like, man, well, I've always wondered what's inside of one of these things. So he goes <laughs> up to, like, the bottom of it and, like, cuts it open, and he's, like, he's just stupid. This so thing he goes, might not smell good, but yeah, it'll keep you he warm. Goes, he goes, man, I wonder what's inside of there. And everybody's like, you're not going to taunt on this thing, are you? And <laughs> yes. he goes, he just goes, I stick my head inside. And he goes, just, like, sticks his head inside of this thing. And we're all just like, what are you, like, what are you doing? And my brother's like, I walk up behind him and I kick him. <laughs> <laughs> I kick him into it. And uh, we're, I was like, are you serious? He's like, no, but I really want to do that. He's like, I really want to kick him farther inside of this beholder. And so they had been walking for, like, nine ten hours at this point in time and they're like okay we can't obviously people travel through here drow travel through here like beholders like obviously there's a beholder that came through here so there might be another one that comes through here at some point in time or whatnot and they're like all right we gotta we gotta protect ourselves somehow and they found like this this cubby area like where one of the disintegration rays had carved out into the rock and so they like rolled this beholder over there propped it up and like took some of the crossbow bolts and pinned its like uh its eye its eye open its main eye so it's just like sitting up there against the wall and they like slept behind it the whole night <laughs> they just like slept with this beholder that they like they pinned some of the eye stalks up to make it look like it was still alive so anything that like <laughs> from a ways away would have just been like oh frick that's a beholder like we got to get the heck away from here you know so they spent the night behind a beholder uh they also, later on, as they were walking down the cavern a little further, they ran. They came up against another creature that... We're in the Underdark. People don't know a lot about the creatures of the Underdark, and so I, I threw in one of these things called a gibbering mouth. Andrew, do you know what those are at all? I've never uh, heard of... Uh, I've never even encountered a beholder. Uh, oh, they're, they're, like, pretty high-level creatures. Yeah, right? you have, I think. Have I? Think, I? I think you have, and uh, you didn't fight it. It was a... Intel, oh, yeah. It was a 
diplomatic encounter, but I think I actually <laughs> you you met a beholder with a. Uh, <laughs> I think we we played an idea to beholder with a Fu Manchu in a mansion oh, that you were tra- you yes. remember? Yep, I remember that. All right, yeah, I think that was the um the haunted mansion like one of yep. campaign you did. Yep, yep, I remember that. <laughs> you fought a beholder with a Fu Manchu. We, no, we, didn't, we didn't fight it. it was oh. Um, but uh, yeah, like. I don't know, I haven't, I haven't met a lot of, like, D&D creatures, like, Beholder being one of them. Like, he's, like, the main D&D creature that I can think of. And I know nothing about them other than their flying octopus things. So anyways, they, they are walking down this, this, uh, this passageway, and they see, like, this blob thing moving towards them. And I was nice because, like, the gibbering mouth, like, lets off a shriek within, like, 60 feet, and they had dark vision up to 60 feet, so I was like, roll a spot check for me, because I want you to see this thing coming, possibly, before you guys just get crushed by this thing. Uh, so they rolled spot checks, and I was like, okay, somebody rolled a nat 20, so I was like, okay, perfect. You seem to think that you see something a little bit further away than what your dark vision normally allows you to see, and you see this blob that looks like it's, like, chatting to itself and like has all these mouths and eyeballs all over it. It's like just this big blob moving down the hallway at you. And uh, he's like, okay. Uh, and I was like, all right, you took too long. Like you, you took way too long. It's, <laughs> it's 60 feet away. And they all had to say, they all had to, they all had to roll a save. Cause I think it's like the, you have to beat a DC 13 save or you're like, Forget exactly what happens. You're like you're dazed or confused or something like that because you hear this <laughs> oh, or both, yeah. Because like you you it like starts screaming and squawking and you're just like you're confused by all of the sounds that are going off around you at that point in time. And so they all like charge headlong into this thing, not knowing like what the heck this thing is. It has a crazy ridiculous grapple. Like I think it's like plus eighteen to grapple or something like that. And it gets six bite attacks in a full round because it's just got mouths all over it. And so our NPC runs up, he's fighting it, Casey runs up, but it also has this move where it like, it does all of its attacks and then at the end it gets to shoot like this acid out, like as a free action. So it's like no matter what round it is, it can shoot at 30 feet, it has to like hit the character, if it hits the character it automatically hits him in the eyes, like that's what this thing is aiming for. It does like, it does poison damage and also blinds you for 1d4 rounds. So my brother gets blinded by this thing. Our NPC's fighting it. The other guys are shooting off spells and stuff like that. Our NPC gets bit three times and starts to get sucked inside of this thing. Because when it when it attacks you and bites, it gets to make a grapple check. And so they he like it it crushed him because his grapple is ridiculous. And so it slowly like begins to engulf him. The next round he's engulfed. My brother's like, I'm blinded. I think I know where this thing is still. And he starts like just walking forward. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, you can still walk forward, but it gets an attack of opportunity on you no matter what. And so he gets bit. And so he starts slowly getting pulled inside of the things because it can, it can hold two small creatures or one medium creature. And so there's two of these small kobolds like inside of this creature now. And so our other wizards are just like shooting off. One of the guys is worthless because he like, doesn't do any damage. He just thinks that he's casting spells. So he's like, he's completely worthless in this battle. He's just like waving his hands, thinking spells are coming out. The other two are like, well, do I touch it? Or do we just kind of throw spells at it? Or what do we do? They killed it one round before. If you know anything about these creatures, once you get inside of this thing, it normally gets six bite attacks around. When you get inside of this thing, it gets 12 bite attacks around against each creature that's inside of there. So it's like you get inside of this thing, you're pretty much toast at that point in time. 
They killed it one round before it was just absolutely going to decimate our NPC and decimate my brother. And I was like, oh, man, our Patreon members got so much into this, like, this <laughs> NPC. And he's going to die after, like, after, like, an hour of listening to the podcast. Uh, so luckily he didn't die. Uh, they all got out. But they, like, they took some pretty significant damage throughout that whole battle. So, yeah, that was that was a fun time of, like, getting to experiment with, like, some some creatures in the Underdark that you don't normally get to see every day because they're only a part of the Underdark. So, uh, listening to our bonus pod is probably going to be coming out uh, relatively soon if it hasn't already come out. And listen in to see what happens to our fearful players and the NPC that our Patreon members got to got to create. Our fearful players. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Not fearless. Not fearful fearless. players. Yeah, no, they were very fearful at points throughout this. The fear in them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, let's get to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? A cloud of smoldering destruction hangs in the night sky. This is the fall of Shirima. The ancients groped blindly in the darkness, threatening to unravel the very fabric of creation in their hubris. Noble Shirimans who ascended found a loose thread in the universe tapestry, and they pulled on it. The vulgarity of their ambition consumed thousands of innocent lives and ended a golden age. Such was the fate of mighty Shirima and of the men who became gods. Alright, so welcome to the meat of this episode where we are going to be talking about the vast wasteland of the world of Shirima. Uh, Shirima is a desert. It's part of the southern half of the continent where League of Legends takes place. And a lot of people really, I mean, it's... It's a it's a barren wasteland at this point in time. There's there's nothing left of it. There at one point in time was a great empire in the world of Shirima called the Shiriman Empire, but it kind of all fell apart when a emperor of the time Azir wanted to do this ritual called the Ascension Ritual. Which there's in this land there's these things called the Ancients who were called Ascendants, which they basically they did this ritual with the the Sun Disk, which we'll talk about in a little while, to become these great and powerful creatures called the Ascendants. And something went wrong. It was sabotaged by another guy named Zareth. It basically decimated all of the capital city where nearly everybody lived because the rest of the world outside was just a vast wasteland desert area. Nobody really lived out there. Nobody tried to survive. You basically only traversed it when you had to. So this, this ascension ritual goes wrong, the whole capital city is destroyed, and it's been destroyed for a millennia at this point in time. In the League of Legends world now, they're starting to develop this a little bit more because Azir was killed, is now coming back to life in a different form, uh, and is starting to resurrect the kingdom with him as well. And so this is what they're, they're, this is probably the latest, uh, lore that they've been spending a lot of time on creating a lot of characters for. And there's a lot of stinking cool stuff behind this. There's a lot of creatures that we're going to talk about that just have a ton of background. And they, they make for some really cool possible NPCs that we'll talk about in a little while. And there's so many areas of this land that you could incorporate into your world wherever you have deserts as well. So, And so for you DMs listening in and you want to get ideas for your campaigns and for your worlds, like this is going to be an episode where we talk about Shirima in League of Legends. And we're going to be sharing a lot of great ideas for uh, desert 
countries, and there's a lot of Egyptian mythology references in here that you can see in the League of Legends lore, and you can bring that kind of stuff into it. Like Chris said, we're going to share information on the champions, who they are, because they can make some great NPCs. And if you're a player, these could be inspiration for you as a player of characters that you would like to have. But uh, all this stuff is, one. as we are a D&D podcast, we're working to give you guys great ideas for your podcast. So listen to these to this lore. If you haven't heard this lore before, awesome. Especially if your players haven't heard this lore before, because now you're getting great inspiration, great ideas to use in your D&D worlds, your D&D campaigns. So as far as geography, there's there's five main locations that I think if you have a desert world, incorporate try and incorporate one of these in here at least because there's so many cool things that you could do with a lot of these. Uh, the first one being the Sharima Wastes, which this in a desert there's a lot of like I mean you go to if you were to go to Egypt I've never been but I've seen pictures you see pictures of like old empires that once were within the Egyptian world like you see all of these ancient tombs and all of these ancient buildings and so there's this place called the Sharima Waste where that's essentially what happened after the world was destroyed it's 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 a it's the fallen empire was basically it's littered throughout these these desert areas there's just ruins everywhere there's a mysterious creature Andrew this is your favorite character Ramus he's yes. he kind of just like wanders around like there's still to this day he's like one of the first ones ever made within League of Legends but just kind of he just kind of wanders nobody really knows anything about him he's very mysterious so uh we can talk about him in a little bit but he he just kind of is found wandering around there nobody really knows why this whole area is just littered with mystery like why are some of these NPCs or why are some of these creatures here nobody really knows there's another guy Skarner he's like He's this big, like, scorpion guy. He he defends the entrance to a realm deep beneath the Shuriman Wastes, uh, but what he protects, nobody really knows at all. Nobody nobody knows what exactly he's protecting. There's also these buried tombs of all of these, like, ancient leaders and stuff like that, and in one of these tombs, you find the creature Amumu, who's like, he's this mummy that has now broken free from his tomb and kind of just wanders around. Uh, he's known as the Sad Mummy. We'll talk about him in a little while, too. He's got some cool stuff. Uh, there's also a guy named Ezreal who claimed an ascendant artifact of incredible mystical power. We'll talk about him a little bit. But these guys, this is the one area of the world, uh, along with the next one that Andrew's going to talk about, the Psy. This, these characters don't really play a large role with the rest of the lore that we're going to talk about. But this area, it's like they're so mysterious that it's like you could... You could almost have these guys, when we talk about them, be in this part of your desert. Nobody really knows why they're there. It could be some sort of uh, adventure that they have to go on to discover why there's this mysterious armored armadillo guy that's out there. Or why there's this giant <laughs> scorpion that protects something. Nobody really knows why. You could have to go out and discover, like, what is this ancient artifact that this guy is holding? Like, what, what exactly is going on with that? Who does he think he is? Stuff like that. Why, did, why is he holding on to this? You could have a lot of fun with Amumu, and when we talk about him, you'll see why. But you could incorporate all of these things into this mysterious, ancient, destroyed, ruined area within your desert world. I think I think adding that in there would be a lot of fun. So, Andrew, what's the what's the next one? You want to explain that one? Uh, yeah. So, Sai uh, is the next uh, one of the key geography locations in uh, Shirima. It's a uh, harsh southern desert, mostly defined by like rolling plains of sand. Uh, sharp stones and just it's just really creepy and quiet 
It's located between the end of the desert and the capital, which we'll talk more about in a little bit. It's, uh, it's for the most part completely uninhabited except for, uh, a race called the Xersai, uh, and their queen, which is Rexai, which is another champion in the League of Legends, which we will talk about later. So anyway, the, uh, Rexai and her, uh, Xersai, they inhabit this area and traders will go out of their way to not go through any anywhere near her and her brood. Well, because you can't see them. Like, they'll go hundreds of yeah. miles out of their way to escape, like, walking through her area because they're so stinking deadly. Yeah, and it just, it, like, it's literally just a ripoff of the Tremors movies, which I love. <laughs> like, so it's, like, it's just like... Yeah, that's kind of what that race reminds me of, is, like, a big group of Tremors, but probably more intelligent. <laughs> and she's, she's also blind. Um, yeah. Which, like, which also, in movies, if you don't know, they don't see, they just... They uh they feel like shockwaves of movement tremor on the surface. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. D- D- which, which she has yeah. tremor sense too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like when she goes underground in the game, um, she can only pick up movement, not actually sight. So like when you go underground, everything goes dark, and you see like little movements, like little footsteps, and that's how you find people, which yep. is like a little cool like uh, gameplay element. But I really like that. So that that's Rexai, and that's her brood, and they that's where they're from, Psy. So leading out of the Psy, we have the capital. Yeah, and the capital uh, was once the center of this Shuriman society. It used to be this oasis in the desert, but it fell to ruins. Like you were saying, a lot of this country is now ruins. Yeah. Uh, remnants of a society long since forgotten. Um, and so after the flawed ascension, uh, it is now just this ruined city. But recently in the history, uh, which is now what's going on in the game and as you're playing with these champions... Uh, it has risen once again with the resurrection of Shurima's lost, lo- long lost empire, Azir. And so this whole city, if you look at pictures online, if you search for Shurima, this is one of the first images you're going to get. And this city is just everything you want from an image of a fantasy in the desert city. Like a giant city. Well, it's like a big golden city. It's yeah, like made out of gold, it looks like. It's built around this... El this, Dorado? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah kind of. In the desert. Uh, it's built around this object called the sun disk, and it's just this huge disk floating in the air above this city, and clearly called the sun disk because, I mean, you can mistake this thing for the sun. Yeah. Like, it reflects the sun, it's, it's huge, it's in the sky. Uh, this sun disk is actually part of the, the symbol of Shurima, the land of Shurima itself. If you look at the crest of Shurima, the sun disk is a very prevalent part yeah. of that symbol. And it's used, it, it was what was being used for the ascension ritual too that, that went tragically wrong for everybody too. That, that essentially wiped out the entire empire. Yeah. The next one is the Tomb of Emperors. And this is a pretty cool area. It lies deep within this city. And for the, the last millennia, uh, we'll talk about the history of, of what happened exactly. But for the past millennia, this has been where Zareth, who was the guy that interrupted the Ascension Ritual that basically destroyed everything, uh, and another guy, Renekton, have been held captive for, for over a thousand years. It's guarded by a large statue of a serpent. And when the tomb was opened by another creature, another character we'll talk about in a little bit, it turned into this huge live serpent that bit the character, transforming her as well. And so this is just like this really cool area that's just like... It's got a lot of traps, so I would imagine, like, if you were to put this into your world, like, this big tomb, it would just have traps everywhere. Like, have 
it would have snakes, it would have traps, it would have just these crazy things that you could, that anything you could think of, Egyptian lore, like, I think you could just go look up, like, Egyptian traps discovered in, like, tombs or something like that, and they're probably within this world. Uh, so this is, this is an area that is just extremely, extremely cool. All right, so uh, the next place is the Oasis of Dawn. Um, it is also described as the Mother of Life because it's like this life-giving uh, oasis, basically. Um, the, o- uh, the Oasis is located near the Tomb of Emperors, which we just talked about. After Azir's resurrection, he brought uh, Sivir, who is another character we will talk about in a little bit. He brought her here to heal her in the magical pools. And this uh, act of selflessness was how he ascended and revived his broken city, the capital. Yeah, this is a really sweet thing. Like, we talk about things to put into your world. This Oasis of the Dawn is such a cool thing. I mean, any time you're in a desert, water is going to be a very precious commodity. Uh, even if you have, like, camels that are trained to be able to survive without water, like, most humanoid creatures need water to survive, and so any kind of oasis is a welcome thing. But then this oasis not only is going to refresh you, but this can bring people back from the yeah. from death. What if you are traveling with a party and people have died because of thirst? They haven't anything, and you bring them to this pool, and not only do you feel refreshed after drinking, but like you decide to like bury them near this oasis of life or something, and they come back to life <laughs> instead of being buried. Like that would be pretty crazy. Yeah, I was just thinking. I mean, in general, like I could imagine oases in the desert being called places of life, just because like you could, like you said, you could be traveling, be extremely thirsty, and you may not be dead, but if you don't get water within the next day, you're going to die. You find this oasis, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is my saving grace. Like I am alive because of this oasis. But literally, this one actually does have healing powers to it. Like, it can actually bring people back from the dead or heal them like it did for Sivir, which was really cool. Now, here's my question, and I didn't see anything about this in the lore. Maybe you guys know, but is this oasis easy to find? Like, does everybody in the land know where this is? It sounds that way. I mean, it sounds like it's a part of the city. Like, the Tomb of Here, or the Tomb of Emperors is in the city. Yeah. The oasis is in the city. I might, I would imagine so it could I be wonder, a part of a temple or something yes. like that. It doesn't really have a whole lot. So now about I wonder: that. is like, can anybody be resurrected from these waters, or is this a very like circumstantial, or just like it doesn't you happen need to be deemed worthy or something, yeah, like, something that, like that? Something yeah. like that. Because I mean, if you put something like this in your world, you got to realize uh, those are components that are going to shape the the yeah. even the surrounding countries with that kind of thing. If it's hard to find, then like, like the Fountain of Youth, yeah, for example, or even or like, like even like an idea of like it finds you, you don't find it kind of right. sense. Like that makes it a lot less uh, to use a term op. Uh, but yeah, that, I feel like that could be. Uh, oh yeah, op or just like over. Exactly. Well, it's, it's never. It's used. always going to be a place. It's a place of healing, but it's always going to be a place of unrest because everybody's going to want to control this thing. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. you have your players going, oh. This guy died, we'll just take him to the oasis. And then you go, okay, I can't play in this desert land anymore with this oasis, because they're always going right, to... So right. you go to another country, they're like, hey, I heard of this like oasis <laughs> in this other country, so then they want to go there and revive yeah. their buddy. But then, so you could make it that, uh, but or you can make it circumstantial. Uh, but if it is somewhere that I feel, if it's like people know about it, like I have, in my mind, I see this place being constantly flooded with like priests and stuff, like... 
yeah. pro- proclaiming like their wor- like their faith and everything. Like it would be, I feel like a religious hotspot. Oh yeah, a place that people came back from the dead. Even I could see even cults being raised to the praising the oasis itself. Or like like Andrew said, it's called the Mother of Life. That's another name. What if they believe that this there's a god called the Mother of Life, and this yeah. is her oasis, her life giving place of the world like this is a really cool i really like this place this would be a sweet thing to put into a world Mm -hmm. so we we talked about this thing called the sun disc and i want to elaborate on this a little bit we'll explain a little bit of its powers and a little bit of how its powers have been used for uh evil and how it essentially destroyed the civilization that that worshiped this thing uh so the sun disc is it's it was long ancient long before the pinnacle of the shreeman empire nasa simranectin who nasa is like this if you think of Anubis, like in in Egyptian, Egyptian lore, lore yeah. that's what he looks Egyptian like. Mythology. He's got the he's got the staff. He's got the dog look to him, uh, and and then Renekton, who's like this anthropomorphic crocodile creature, yeah. right? They're Sweet they're looking. they're brothers. They knew of its power and they used it to ascend in order to face a dire threat from mysterious beings. And so, what the ascended ritual is really only supposed to be done during times of great trial. Like it's not something that's just supposed to be flippantly used like it's not something that like you or me would be like hey we want to become ascendants let's just go and do this ritual no it's supposed to be used in order to create these really powerful guardians of shurima at this time and so they did that they destroyed this mysterious force they fought back against it but the way that the empire fell was we talked about azir azir was the emperor at the time of shurima and he had somebody that was a part of he was he was his like he was his right hand mage whose name was Zareth, who attempted, who, who basically convinced him to attempt this fabled ritual. They weren't in any dire straits. It was just the height of the golden age of Shurima. And what he wanted to do is he's like, let's make ourselves even better. And so he's like, hey, let's, there's this ascension ritual that we can do. Let's do it. Let's make you into an ascendant. And so Azir is like this, he's like this power hungry young emperor. He's like, hey, I want to do this. His hubris essentially led him into this trap that was just very di- disastrous, which we know destroyed the whole capital city. And so as a sun disk, it focused its rays, it focused on its rays into a, like this transformative beam. And if you look at these pictures, it's like this blue beam that f- comes down out of the sun disk and funnels straight towards like this platform that they stand on. It like funneled down towards them. But what ended up happening is Zareth betrayed Azir. So Azir's standing there, he's like looking up at this beam, like ready to get shot by it, be transformed into this extremely powerful being. Zareth betrayed him and shoved him aside and stole that power for himself. So he like he basically tricked the Emperor into doing this so that he could become the Ascended. Uh, so in an instant, Azir was just absolutely obliterated. He was just decimated. Zareth as well was obliterated, but he ended up being remade into this like pure, malevolent, evil energy. And so as the city around them was like swallowed whole into the desert, like Zareth is just there. Like he's just this this ominous figure who's now just pure energy just swirling around within this destruction and so nasus and renekton the guys that we talked about earlier the only other two ascendants in this region uh they they sensed like in this instant that something was absolutely wrong like apparently there's like this sense like if they were ascendants they knew when like the ascension ritual was happening but they knew that something bad had happened when it when this ascension ritual went on and so what ended up happening is they they ended up hurling Zareth. They, they chained him up in the sarcophagus and, like, threw him into this this pit. And so Renekton and, and Zareth 
went into this pit. NASA and Renekton are like talking back and forth, and Renekton's like, "No, like you need to lock me in here. Somebody needs to be the protector of this guy because Nasus and Renekton at this point in time are are invincible. They're immortal, uh, and so." Zareth is locked in this sarcophagus, dragged down into the Tomb of Emperors, which we talked about, which is in the capital city, and shouted for Nasus to seal the door. And then, with a heavy heart, Nasus entombed his brother with a madman in the buried ruins for all eternity. And I love what, like, on the website it said. It said, or so he believed, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Like, this wasn't the end for for uh, for Zareth and for Renekton, which is, which is really stinking cool, I think. So obviously this lore gets passed down from generation to generation to generation, right? It's been a thousand years, like we talked about, they, that, you know, Renekton and Zareth have been locked away. But a thousand years later, uh, these two, these two women, one's a noble woman, one is, one is uh, basically a mercenary, are called upon to, well, the noble woman essentially hires this mercenary to go out into the desert to go to this ancient capital. She wants to go and explore, so she says. Like, she just wants to go and see these ancient ruins, right? She secretly has another agenda. She knows that the mercenary's weapon that she has, this blade, the circular, or the circular, like, blade structure that she has, is a key to the tomb that holds those two madmen inside of it. And so she, she tricks the mercenary into going. She basically stabs her, right? She kill, she tries to kill her, steals her blade, Noble woman puts it into the lock to unlock this tomb, and the door swings open, and out comes Renekton, who is changed now to be evil, and Zareth comes pouring out at the same time. So now you have Renekton, the brother of Nasus, like pissed off. I'm no longer because well, he thinks his brother, brother left him here. Yeah. Like he's been stuck here with Zareth. And these are for these are those brothers years. we talked about before. The uh, Nasus is the Anubis jackal-looking guy, and then Renekton is the is the crocodile-looking guy. Which, all i got to say is, we've talked about beast folk before on the podcast. A lot of our, uh, at least our people on the forum are interested in beast folk and stuff. And this is really cool because there's a bunch of characters that are like beast folk kind of guy. But I do have a question. What the heck were these guys' parents doing? (laughs) But, all right. Yeah, right. (laughs) Moving on. Yeah, so I I don't know... This is something that I it doesn't say in their background or anything. I don't know if they were humans before, yeah. and when they ascended, that's what they, they turned into. Like, yeah, I'm not sure if that's like. what happened. Uh, I would imagine that's the case because Azir is because no, Azir looks like Ra after this. Like he looks yeah. like the yeah. bird god. At Unless the, at he the was end like that little before. Bit. So you, and yeah. and that's that's the kind of thing that you know we're talking about things you could put in your campaign. So you can you can take that kind of stuff and make these into creatures who are there are a race. They don't explain this in the LOL lore, but. They could be a race already before, um, or in this ascension. What's that? I was just saying, like crocodile folk. Uh, yeah, exactly. Folk or yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bird folk. What do you yeah. And or and then you can have, or you could have this ascension process that Chris, we've been watching Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me think of the uh, the Terrigen Mist. Yeah, and how it can change you, or it can't. It just doesn't change you. It could be physical, like appearance, that changes you, or it can be. Uh, you could look the same, but she has to have these powers. Yep. Uh, and so this this ray that comes down from the sun disk could end up you just look the same, but you have this great power. Or with gaining this great power, you could also transform into something yeah. uh, for whatever reason that the disk deems <laughs> that this is what happens. Like, this is how you change. So. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, going back to the history a little bit, Sivir is, like, stabbed in the back. 
the the mercenary the mercenary woman the noble woman has something crazy happen to her we'll talk about her a little bit in the npc section here coming up uh the mercenary ends up dragging herself away and that's where we talked about earlier with the oasis of dawn like she is dipped back into this brought back to life by azir who as as the mercenary lay is dying something incredible happens uh for though she does not know it like Sivir is the last of the bloodline of Azir. So the mercenary woman was the was a descendant of the former emperor of Azir. Her blood, like, it, it soaks in the, into the sand, and there's, like, this deep magic that happens within the sand, and the emperor is reborn from that. And so he takes this form where he can shift in the sands now because of the mercenary's blood spilling out into the land because she was an ancient descendant of him. And so he comes back to life realizing what happens, dips her into the pool and saves her life. She's spared from death because of the mother of life, as this Oasis of Dawn is called. And now because like because this all happened, the the lore of this League of Legends world of Runeterra is drastically shifted forever. So because Azir is now ascended, he's like in the process he has these great visions of what this new Shuriman Empire can look like. And so while his descendants like they look to turn the situation around uh, Sharima is still like this land of mystery. Like people know what it was, what it was back in the day, and now they're hearing like these rumors of like the emperor's back. Like what's gonna happen here? You know, like is this gonna turn back into the great civilization it once was? What happened to Renekton? What happened to Zareth? Like what happened to these evil guys now? Like there's there's just it's just this big land of mystery as most like most desert areas tend to be. Like there's a lot of unknown about this place still. Uh, but Azir has these grand plans of like rebuilding the capital city around the sun disk and stuff like that. So it's in the rebuilding process right now as far as where Sharima and Azir and all of these creatures are at this point in time. But so that leads us to the point, who could we use from this lore as NPCs within our world? There's a couple of really cool ones that, that I know in the game itself I play a lot. Uh, and there's a couple that I think you guys you guys have liked a little bit as well. But well, we've talked about a couple of them already, but mm-hmm. now we can we're, we we want to talk about them a little bit more in depth and uh, talk about their characteristics and aspects that you could use as with NPCs in your own world, yep. whether it's in a desert world or not. Yep. So the first one I think I'll I'll talk about because I I love this guy. This was the first champion I ever bought in the game, like with my points that I earned from playing the game so diligently. His name is Nasus. Uh, and he plays a big part in this lore. He's one of the first ascendants. He's one of the first, like, to some people, he, like, is considered a demigod. Not quite a full god, but he's, like, he's the next best thing to a god. And to others, he's, like, this this myth. Like, after a thousand years, like, true stories become myths. They become legends. So And so to some people, they, like, they still worship him. Like, some of the nomads still worship him as if he's, like, a demigod. Other people are just like, nah, there's no way. He's a He's a myth, right? Uh, so legend says that he has his dominion over death and time. And so a millennia ago, he stood at the apex of Shuriman society as a curator and a guardian. Now, though, because there's nothing to guard, he kind of roams the arid wasteland, seeking to release his brother Renekton from the grip of madness. And so what we talked about is Renekton spent this time with this evil ascendant in this tomb, kind of corrupted his mind, and so Nasus is now like, Renekton hates him. Nasus still loves his brother and is like, hey, I want to free you from this madness that's enslaved your mind. So he looks like this like jackal creature. He looks like Anubis from the from the world of you know Egyptian lore. Uh, 
He has this hammer, too, that's super cool, and it's one of the weapons that we'll talk about later on in the episode, but he carries this huge hammer around that siphons life from people when he hits them with it. So it's like anybody that comes up against him, like, I can just imagine, like, this would be in your world, like, this this fabled guy that walks around with this weapon that just sucks the life out of people. Like, that's a crazy guy that just walks around in your desert somewhere. I think he would be this... I feel like he would be, like, this guy that would be told at bedtime stories to parents. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, like, this guy that's actually real, but because it's been so long ago, people just think that he's myth and legend. So people will tell the stories of Nasus and, like, maybe he's still out there somewhere. You better sleep tight or the curator of the sands is going to come and get I you. I feel like, and we'll talk about we'll talk about Renekton a little bit more in a second, but, like, uh, that's very, uh, that would be a really cool idea is Nasus and, I feel like, Parents would tell their kids stories of Nasus and Renekton, like Nasus being the uh, the legend that lives up to how you're supposed to treat family and um, how you're supposed to honor family. Be nice to your brother. Never give up on family. And yeah. Renekton is like the opposite of what you don't do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Renekton is kind of a like I see a little bit of I have a little bit of pity hearing his story because I mean he's not. In full control of himself, he's yeah, he's driven by madness. But but still, like I could see stories being told to children of Nasus and Renekton. Like you don't want to be like Renekton, do you, little Billy? No, no, I be like Nasus. So Renekton, like we were saying, uh, that Renekton is that uh, crocodile-like warrior that we talked about before, the brother of Nasus. Uh, he was long time ago. He was a gatekeeper of ancient Shirima before its fall. Uh, but in the centuries since the fall of the once glorious empire, he has been consumed, like we said, by this madness. And so he was trapped with Zareth for like the longest time. And so you got to imagine, you know, well, Andrew's going to talk about Zareth, uh, but Zareth is not this good guy at all. And <laughs> you, you picture Renekton being stuck with Zareth for like, hundreds of years and just you gotta imagine Zareth is just whispering in his ears the entire time like your brother your brother wanted you to be trapped here whatever it is that he used to turn his mind and just being trapped I almost imagine it as like time uh, itself is maddening yeah I almost think of it as like King Theoden like in that relationship that he had with uh, with Wormtongue who's like just whispering into his ear all of this Mm -hmm. stuff I mean he actually put like a magical like with Saruman had like this curse on him but at the same time, it's like, that's the type of thing, like, he's just whispering these things into his ear, like, just planting that poisonous seed within his mind, trying to just get him to fight back against yeah, his So brother. when he finally gets free, this freedom that he's probably longed for for so long, he's now, you can only describe him as little more than a rage-filled beast, and all he wants to do is he wants to kill his brother Nasus, who now he believes is... Uh, to blame for his current state of mind, and so it's kind of, which is kind of funny because he kind of he understands that he's crazy, yeah. But in his crazy, he blames his brother Nasus, uh, and so you could you could use this once, like we said, with these stories. But you could also use, I think it would be interesting to use Renekton as a NPC who there's a redemption story there, and yeah. your PCs helping whether one of your PCs plays this. Uh, Nasus type character in a campaign uh, or if it's an NPC they want to help but like tr- trying to see if they can bring this Renekton character back from the brink of madness and realize what's really going on here 
So that's Renekton. So let's talk about Zarek. He was the the advisor to the king, or not the king, the emperor, I should say. Um, he was a moral being, you know. And so probably he, a human is what he would. He human probably, or whatever I, race lives in that I desert there. I'm assuming human, yeah. Yeah, you would assume human. They don't really go into it. Usually when they don't go into something, it's usually it's a human. It's just kind of like the vanilla race. <laughs> he, you, As we talked about, he created this, or schemed up a ritual, uh, the Ascended Ritual, to uh, to make himself more powerful, because that is, that is he wants more power. That's all he's ever He's always tried wanted to do it. Even, even when he was under the Emperor, I, he still yeah, wanted I assume, power. Yeah, like, I didn't know he was the Emperor's, like... Right hand. Yeah, he like, was like he was like advisor. the head mage. I assume right the whole the entire king, time yeah. he was hoping to be the emperor. Maybe this was his plan: become ascended, take over. And, yeah, the way I'm that sure. it, you know, have a new emperor's new groove. Kind yeah, of the way that it reads is like he basically like Azir was like this young, just very persuadable emperor, and so he just like he was like, hey, you've got everything, you've got all the powers, you've got all the riches in the world. Why don't you just do this? Like, make your make your reign forever solidified in the history of the world. And then, like, at the last minute, he pushed him out of the way and was like, nope, sorry, I want this for myself, and just destroyed everything. You, you gotta have, like, in your mind, like, a slow motion, like, no! <laughs> like, image <laughs> going with that. So he pushes the guy out of the way. Uh, is that the canon, or is that, like, your own... <laughs> no, that's that's actually oh, what it says. That, yeah, yeah, that's, so, that's uh, canon, yeah. So he gets pushed out of the way, and he jumps in front of this beam to become the strong one. Thinking he would become, like, this great ascended, but he actually, like, along with everybody else, is just instantly obliterated... So and is then, this when is this when Azir gets obliterated? Too? Yeah, oh yeah, same and so time, this, instantaneously. So this moment is when they both later on we find out both of them were affected by this beam. Both yes. of them become ascended in this moment. Azir becomes Tying ascended a little bit, a little, a little bit, bit different in way. The history. Yeah, yeah, yep. like it. Yep. So Azir comes back as like this really powerful arcane being, which he was a mage beforehand, so it makes sense that he would come back with some really powerful arcane abilities. He kind of like. I guess the way that I would put him in my world is like he's, you know, in in Greyhawk and all and Forgotten Realms, you have like these really powerful like evil wizard guys. Like you have it in your world in Panthea. I have it in my world too, where they're like these really evil wizards that are just extremely power hungry, like wanting to rule the world. But yet, most of the times, they're either like they're either like in their still race form, like either an elf or a human or whatever, or they become a lich somehow. This is like a different. You could have some like ritual that they had. They try to undergo, almost like a like a lich type ritual that they have to do. Yet it backfires. They're like obliterated and transformed into the arcane magic, like the one of the sources of arcane magic. Like they are arcane magic yeah, he's in just and of this, themselves. Zareth's just this swarming mass of arcane energy. It says. Yeah. Uh, he kind of reminds me of an elemental. His look, yeah, he does. But yeah. uh, like, I mean, this a swirling mass of arcane energy in LOL. Like, I don't, you know, he he has power through that. But like in D and D too, like, what does that mean? Like, see, like the arcane is where all the magic comes from. Like, is 
if what what would happen if you hit this thing? Like if you like came into contact with him and just hit him, you're hitting like spells. Like I don't know. Would it be like, like would it like you have to like would spell failures like, happen all around spell you or failures, something? Or? Roll, roll will saves. Like, yeah, yeah. Fireball things. Yeah. Like I feel like that could be an interesting. I wouldn't want to fight that creature. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's going off League of Legends, if you hit him enough, he just explodes. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you could have it at the yeah. end. Like, it just explodes. A and ticking just arcane time bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. It's actually, like, uh, the killing blow uh, shortly afterwards is an explosion. Yeah. So it's like, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Make a reflex save. Get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, uh, he's dying uh, and pulsing. <laughs> oh, gosh! Yeah. Yeah, you see him start to glow and yeah. pulse and swell. And so, get out of the way. Yeah, so he becomes this crazy swirling mass of writhing arcane energy and now he's oh well yeah he was locked in with uh renekton, renekton. for a thousand years yeah whispering to renekton yeah mess this is awful he sucks yeah so uh, i you know i could imagine in your world too you exact could, quotes yeah right <laughs> canon yeah that's it that yep send it into riot yeah everybody email riot right now and say that's what he said but you could almost have him as that type of mage that's been locked away for a thousand years too and that might be why he's also a little peeved at the world around him you know wanting to seek revenge against everybody i think i think that could be you know it could almost be like if you ran an evil campaign your evil campaign could be to free you know, Zareth from the... Yeah, the spirit of Yeah, Zareth. the spirit of Zareth from whatever sort of, you know, prison you have them in, you know. Or in a good campaign, you could have them trying to prevent, you know, the, the arcane energy of Zareth being released upon your world, too. You could do a lot of different things with this lore of Zareth in your nice. world. So now he's, like, out in the world... And all he wants to do is unleash his power on Rune Terror, the world yeah. of League Not Legends. just Shirima anymore. Yeah. It's like the whole world. And destroy anybody destroy. who opposes him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which he's a powerful guy. He's an ascended. So he's going to, you know, I think we need some ascended here to help us out with uh, Zareth. Yep. So the next champion that uh, we want to talk about that can you can kind of take as an idea of an NPC for your world is Azir, who we've talked about already. He was once the emperor of all of Shirima. And like we talked about with Zareth, he uh, he explodes, he dies, he's gone from this ascension process. Uh, Zareth tries to steal from him. Seemingly, it ends horribly for both of them. We find out later that Zareth is uh, he actually is still alive. He comes back, and now he's in in the LOL history. He's right now terrorizing the place. Well, Azir comes back as well. Uh, and it's this mysterious... It takes a little while. It takes like yeah, a thousand years for him to come back. But it's back, mysterious but. in the way he reappears. Nobody really knows what he... Just all of a sudden, one day he comes... He appears out of the blue. He's just there. Uh, and he's there once again. And he's trying to once again reunite Shirima. Restore it to its former glory. Uh, and to rule over it. Uh, he is incredibly powerful. And he seems to... Uh, his power seems to be tapped into the land itself. He has power over the burning sands of the land of Shirima. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, are willing to follow him and see Shirima uh, restored to its former glory, and then there are some that oppose him. Uh, Renekton and Zareth would be two of those people who would oppose him, and uh, they deny his right to rule. I imagine Zareth, especially denies his right to rule, wanting to... He already tried to do it. Already tried to do away with him, take over from him. Uh, That being said, nobody can deny 
that he is extremely, extremely powerful. Uh, we, we said before, uh, he looks like a, a, a bird, a falcon of some sort. He is based off of Ra, the Egyptian god Ra of the sun. Uh, so there's, if you look at pictures of Ra, that's pretty much what, uh, Azir looks like, if you don't want to look at pictures of Azir himself. Uh, but yeah, he's this really cool, um, falcon-like beast folk ascended creature that's super powerful. Uh, some would say the true leader, the true ruler of all the Sharima. So we talked about how Azir came back. Like he came back in this sort of mysterious way. Like people can't understand it. People, people still to this day can't explain what happened. The next two, I'm going to split up into two. We have Sivir and Cassiopeia. We're going to talk about Sivir first. Sivir is like this... She's a mercenary. She's well-known throughout all of the land uh, because of a battle that she's... I mean, she's she's just this ruthless warrior. She's created this reputation about herself that she's just... She's extremely powerful, extremely strong, has this mercenary-like tendencies with a ruthless reputation. Uh, she's unflinchingly brave with endless ambition... And she garnered, she, she, because of that, she's garnered great fame and fortune because of that. Uh, she's faced with, like, this revelation of her mysterious heritage. And so Sivir must weigh her own desire to continue on her own path or accept this burden of a greater legacy. So it doesn't explain much about this, this vision that she has of the past. But I almost wonder if it's, like, this vision of seeing Azir and everything happening in the past. Like, she understands, like, I might be Azir's great 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 whatever it is granddaughter here i'm gonna go try and figure out what exactly happened well she goes she has this blade too that's with her this circular has four blades coming off of it in like the circular pattern which is secretly a key to unlock the tomb where renekton and zareth are held she unlocks it unbeknownst to her she doesn't know like this is a key to this realm unlocks it is betrayed by the woman she went with and is bleeding out. And so we talked about Azir, how, like, he's in this mysterious way, he comes back. Like, she's right by the Temple of the Emperors, which is right next to, you know, that uh, Oasis of Dawn, which is the Mother of Light. It gives life to people whenever they come there. Conveniently placed. Conveniently placed. And I wonder if this has something to do with it. She's bleeding out in the sand next to this Oasis. Azir is resurrected because of the blood that's in her. And now he, like, formed out of the blood because they were related. He's now brought back to true form because of Sivir, this mercenary who nobody really cares about. Nobody knows her. Like, she's she's famed, she's fortune, but nobody really knows that she's, like, ancient royalty descended down through generations. So because of her blood being spilled next to the Oasis, Azir is resurrected now as the new emperor to rule throughout the world. So she could be this mysterious mercenary who just wanders throughout the deserts in your world or your group comes across and is like we need a guide through the desert and she's got this really cool like circular blade that she throws and returns to her like that's how it works in the game she throws this blade out and it comes back to her and that's that's what ends up being her weapon throughout this world uh it's almost like a whirling blade attack essentially it's like yeah uh, i don't know if it's chakram or chakram but i'm pretty sure it's chakram is that what it's called? Chakram? Yeah. Those are like those like throwing discs yeah. or whatever. Those okay. things are sweet. But yeah, so she could be that type of mercenary that you hire to go through uh, this desert region. Almost as like a guide who is very mysterious as far as her heritage. Nobody really knows where she comes from. Uh, but it could be, you know, she's 
you have to explore her ancient past and she's secretly like you're trying to go to the same place that she's trying to go to and figure out her heritage at the same time so you could incorporate some cool that could either be like a whole campaign or that could be like a one-off night that you have with your group or that could be some little small thing that your characters have to do while they're waiting for the next big thing in your campaign to happen at the same time so she was let out by this woman named Cassiopeia or Cassiopeia or however people want to say it. you could pronounce it however you want she's the woman that asked Sivir to go out into the desert with her because she knew about Sivir's blade being a key and so kind do they of do they explain anything about how Cassiopeia knew about that? Like, no, that I, seems like... I I don't think it does. Like, she's just a noble woman. She's from Noxus, which is like this really like they just know a lot of crap in that area. Like, they're very <laughs> mysterious. They're very dark. They they have powers and things that people can't really explain, anyways. So I'd imagine it's something like she knows her lore or knows her history or something like that. That knows that this is a key to unlock yeah. this. So Cassiopeia, kind of like what. Zareth did to Azir, kind of once again being betrayed by your right-hand person, offers to yeah. take her out, like, says, hey, I'll hire you as my guide, take me to the Temple of Emperors. She's taken out there, stabs Sivir in the back, like, mortally wounds her. Sivir's bleeding out at this point in time. Sivir crawls away. She unlocks this, like, gate to the Temple of Emperors. She unlocks this tomb, and there's this massive statue that's like this this snake that, like, breaks out of its, like, stone-encrusted tomb that it's in itself, comes to life, bites Cassiopeia, and turns her, like, the venom starts to morph her and shape her. So she was once a human from Noxus. She's now, like, this Medusa-looking creature, but has a snake-like body at the same time, and now she's forced to wander throughout the world as this Medusa creature who... She has a power that she can actually turn people to stone by shouting at them. So it's really, it's really this like a different take. On yeah, the Medusa a different, kind of a different yeah. take on on the Medusa of the world. And so she now is just this terrifying beast because she kind of, in the same way as Zareth, had this like drive for like this having this power, trying to unlock this greater power, and at the same uh, time backstabbed him. I would like to find out if the giant serpent thing that bit Cassiopeia was actually like barren. Something like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you think about Baron, like he shoots spit, like uh, like acid spit and stuff like that. Yeah, um, from the game. If you don't know who Baron is, he's like this big enemy that you can fight throughout the game and get these crazy power ups. Yeah, that'd be interesting to know. I don't think so. Yeah. But <laughs> that would be kind of interesting. That would be yeah. pretty cool. Cassiopeia Actually, is a. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but it is a constellation in our in our sky. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, yeah. I, I I googled her name and I and then. I was surprised to see not pictures of the League yeah. of Legends Cassiopeia, but only <laughs> constellations. I was like, did I, I type took, it wrong? I took or? an astronomy course in uh, in in college, and so right away I recognized it. Uh, it's it's a constellation that kind of looks like a. I always uh, looked at it as a W. Basically, that's how people would describe yeah, yeah. it. it. Looks like a W in the sky. Uh, but I wonder if that's. I gotta imagine when they were created this game, they knew of this constellation. They took the name from it. And if you look at the uh, the constellation, not only could it look like a W, but it could also look like a long, slithering serpent yeah, uh, in true. the formation of it. So uh, just an interesting fact. Um, and since we're talking about that and we're talking about how to put things into your world of D&D, why not have creatures, monsters like Cassiopeia? Oh, yeah. Why not have NPCs? We're talking about a lot of NPCs and characters that are... 
uh, have lived for a long time or lived, died, been reborn. And uh, if you come up with a sky chart or stars and things like that, why not have, don't just throw out names, but have lore and story behind the stars in your sky because how do these stars get their names? It's because people talk about stories and tell their children stories and point to the stars in the sky and talk about it. We talked about Nasus and Renekton and how parents could be telling them kids stories about them Well, they could be pointing to the stars and talking about the constellations. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, so yeah, there's a little bit of interesting lore there. Plus, uh, constellations, they could be like one of the only physical features that you can see because we're talking about a desert, like a barren wasteland. Yeah. It's another way for traveling like you could figure out where to go uh find the north star stuff like that constellations would actually come into a part exactly yeah you could i think you could also have them like wherever there's a tomb like if you have in your egyptian world like wherever there's a tomb you might find these creatures there yeah like, they could be wa- just wandering the halls of those yeah. tombs she doesn't have to be a she doesn't have to a be a big bad guy or, or she could like be like a queen of these gorgons yeah. who these gorgons don't stare at you to turn you into stone but they, they yell at scream, you. Yeah. Now instead of tr- going into a gorgon den with a mirror trying to get you know shine, lo- make them look at their own reflection, now you got like earplugs in. Yeah, <laughs> you right, got, right. You got you know D and D headphones in, like you're listening to uh, Adventure Time, the Bardic Band, who's awesome. <laughs> uh, you could also cast uh, Silence, isn't that a spell? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, like that would be a, the way that a wizard could be super powerful in fighting these things. They're still going to have poisonous bite, possibly. They're still strong and powerful creatures, but uh, not being turned into stone, I would say that's a plus. <laughs> Which, having read some books and having just talked about silence, if I ever play a wizard in your campaign, Mitch, silence is always going to be one of my daily prepared spells. Yeah, just don't cast it where you're casting Yeah, right, right, it, right. Unless right. you take the feats that you can no, yeah. cast spells Cause in I, silence. Because that'd be the worst thing. Because I know... I cast silence! All right, I guess you're not casting spells. Oh, yeah, darn it. Well, I really know that you like using wizards in your world, so I'm totally just going to cast silence every single yeah. time I can. <laughs> I love I love wizards, and I love using wizards. However, wizards in... Wizards in DMing is sometimes frustrating. Because, yes. But most of the wizards that I'm going to be using, if they're powerful enough to be used, they might not need to say the magic, but... You go ahead and use that, I'm sure it will I come will. in handy at certain times. Lower levels, <laughs> I would imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So another character that we wanted to talk about, I really like this guy. Uh, his his name is Malzahar, and he he was a seer. Uh, he was blessed with the gift of foresight, so uh, he could see into the future. He'd get glimpses into the future. But one day he's lured into the desert by a charm spell of some sort. Yeah, it was through his dreams. Yeah, was, a charm spell in his there, dreams. Yeah. His, his, I guess it was that foresight. Like it kind of like worked his way, and it turned out to be a bad thing for yeah. him. And so he's lured into the desert. He doesn't bring any su- supplies with it. He's kind of like almost I would imagine in a sleepwalking kind of stage, just just walking like a zombie into the desert. He gets lost, and he's walking and walking and walking to the point where he's about to die. Uh, he comes across this obelisk. Uh, he comes across this obelisk and this alien city, this ruined city um, of creatures not of the world of ruined terror. Uh, but there's nothing there. Uh, but inside this city, this essence uh, infects him and takes over his body. And this essence is called the Void. And so this this Void takes him over 
gives him incredible powers. So he's infected with this, he's infused with the power of the Void itself, and now Malzahar is, is not what he was before, uh, he's not in control of himself, he is basically this walking essence of the Void, and he is, his, all of his powers being channeled through uh, the Void itself. Now, I don't know a lot about what this Void is. Uh, I'm, once again, I'm I'm not the League of Legend player at uh, on this pod, so can you guys describe what the Void is to listeners who might not know? Well, the Void, it's it's like a, a, a different dimension almost. It's like very purple, yep. just a whole different dimension. And a lot of other characters from the League of Legends actually originate from the Void. Like, we're not going to talk about them, obviously, in this episode, but, like, Delkaz and, and, and Malzahar, obviously, but... Yeah, so, like, when uh, when Malzahar had his dream, like, it was something, someone from the Void, like, calling him out into the desert to come to this obelisk, and, like, it was his voice inside his head, and he tried to resist it for a while, tried to resist it, but eventually gave in, and at that point, he was basically becoming a willing servant of the Void. It was finally completed when he got out to this obelisk, he heard this voice again, and at that point, it was like all right, he was basically giving himself over to become a servant of the Void, was granted all the powers that a lot of, like, the Void-born creatures have. We're not going to get into all that lore, because it's all... You open that can of worms, you're getting into a lot of crazy crap that's <laughs> that's in that world that we don't have time for right now. Uh, but he was basically granted the powers of the Void, and so he can, like, he can open portals and stuff like that, and he can, like, he can use the Void to, like, freeze people in place, and he's just... He's got a lot of these crazy powers that because he listened to this voice, he can now use. So the Void is a whole nother plane. Yeah, it's a whole itself. other region, yeah. It's a purple, inhospitable place where crazy bug creatures come out <laughs> and eat anything they see. Basically, everything that comes from the Void is purple in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy now that I think about it. It's also, they also have, like, this crazy hunger. Like, they oh, yeah, wanna, they're like, all, like, everything. they're all, yeah, every single one of those creatures is, like, hungry for... Whether it be power or just, basically, they just want to actually eat things. <laughs> like, yeah. they want like to eat flesh, just... like, physically eat things. But I don't think Malzahar has that, necessarily. I think he yeah. just has, like, powers that the Void can grant to people. He also, his favorite ability of mine is he summons Voidlings. Oh, yeah. Which, which are yeah, extraplanar like, creatures that are from the Void, yeah. essentially. And those things and, are power-hungry. Yeah, they want to eat Yeah, they want to eat everything. So he can he can he can channel this this void power to unleash these voidlings on people in the world. It's a great idea for a villain. We've talked about on our villain episode, like not just having the black and white villain of like I'm evil, you're good, let's fight kind of thing, but like a a, having a character who's the main villain who he's not even himself anymore. He's been taken over by some unearthly force or other earthly creature like that is now controlling him and not even being able to know what their motives are because they're so alien to us and having to destroy them before they destroy the rest of the world yeah that would be stinking crazy to have to fight against something like that that's able to conjure up creatures from another yeah. void that are simply you got all your minions you. then and you can use a lot of extra planar creatures that you normally would well use. and they could summon those creatures behind you to the sides of you in front of you i mean yeah, they're they're pretty string crazy. Like you think of summoning like a familiar or something like that. Like these things are even crazier than that. It actually kind of reminds me of uh, Stephen King's The Mist. You know how yeah, they open up that yeah. portal to this other place? Such they're a like, good movie. They're like, oh, what what could this be? And then nothing but just things that are <laughs> killing and eating horrible like Cthulhu-like creatures come out. Yeah, Cthulhu like 
horrible, horrific things, like only a nightmare. It's basically a nightmare. No, thanks for ruining that movie for me. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, the yeah, movie's like not ruined. I understand why that movie got bad reviews, but oh my gosh, you should see that movie. It's so good. Would it be Worth something, it for the ending. Would it be something that I should go home and watch right now, like when we're done recording? If you yeah, had yeah. access to it, yes. Is it on Netflix? Uh, it's not, it's not on, uh... It's on an American Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, if you get this, uh, thing, you Lo- can... Yeah, long story. Trick the computer, yeah. <laughs> trick the computer. Alright, moving okay. on. Alright, so the next character we're gonna talk about, or creature, Rexai, is the queen of the Xersai, which are this race of bug-like, uh, subterranean race of people, or creatures, and they... They terrorize the entire Shuriman Empire. Uh, like post people, post fall, they've like terrorized everything that's left. Yeah, people will go out of their way to have nothing to do with. They'll just they'll travel hundreds of miles out of the way just to avoid those areas. Uh, and some people actually bandits will lead uh, prey towards um, Rexai and her brood to like I guess kill them and then maybe steal their stuff. Yeah, after steal whatever's them. left. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, Rexai, once she detects you, you're basically done for. There's no hope of escape. You're basically in the ocean getting chased by a shark. You will get tired before the shark gets tired. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's just no hope. Like, what are you going to do? Swim down? What are you going to do? Fly up? There's nothing. You you can't do anything. It's just vast. Yeah. And Rexai's quick, efficient. Well, she has tremor sense, too, which is why you are pretty much screwed if you go into her territory, because she can sense wherever you are. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's like you stand still, and then and just that's, wait Well, that's forever. what you have to do. Like It reminds me of the movie, movie Tremors. Like, if you stand still, they can't tell where you are. <laughs> but the minute you start moving, like you hear this crazy howling noise, and they start coming after you. Like That's the type of thing that this reminds me of. Like, this is her sigh remind me of. You're done for unless you're Kevin Bacon. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Or if you have a huge stockpiled room with shotguns and you just shoot the one that comes through the wall. That's you. <laughs> Great scene. Yeah. Love that's that's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. The third one where they have the ones running around on the ground. Have you seen that yeah. one where they're like little chicken tremors now? Do you see that <laughs> it's one? So weird. Yeah, it's really. I, weird. I actually I haven't seen that one. Actually. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, these. Things... I didn't even know there's three. I, I like. Oh yeah, I there's. there's I think there's more than three now. But really? It, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, back to Rexa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> you the don't first. Like them? The first one was <laughs> bad enough. Like well, like in the third one, they're like they're like hired out as mercenaries to like hunt these things. Like they purposely make lots of noise. They like jump out of the ground and then they make them explode. Like they're like mercenaries. They get they get paid to kill them all. Anyways, you could put these things in your world as almost tremor type things in like a you desert could, region. You could say put them into like the third Hobbit movie. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Peter Jackson. Yeah, right. Mitch isn't uh, big on subterranean forms. No, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm just not big on them being thrown into the Hobbit movie. <laughs> but yeah, you, I mean, you could put them into your world as almost tremor-like creatures in like a wasteland or desert area or former civilization where they're just preying on people that come out there. I think that would it be also, really interesting to add. It also puts your PCs in a very uh, interesting predicament where. They're fighting an enemy underground, and it has a whole it adds a whole different meaning to like the combat. It's they have to figure out that oh this thing is blind. Uh, they have to figure out its weak points, how to defeat it, uh, wait for it to come up and attack. Well, if like it's that. if it's underground, it's gonna come up right underneath them. They can't get attacks of opportunity on these things either if they're gonna open a hole straight underneath them. That's when you hire a bunch Let's of hirelings and uh, just go. 
Run! Well, this is this is where I'm you get the. I'm just paying you to run. This is where you get oh, this the is idea, an easy like, job. Ah! yeah. This is where you get the idea where you buy like a whole horde of chickens and you just send them into the area, <laughs> oh, like yeah. you do in Tomb of Horrors That'd or whatever. Be brilliant. Yeah, you just buy a That's whole really thing of like chickens <laughs> or pigs or whatever and just be like, all right, run, my prudence. And hope that they're the chickens from uh, Legend of Zelda. So oh, yeah, they, they just kill get, the worms. Yeah, they get pissed whenever they get killed. <laughs> Impossible to yeah. kill. Wow, we've a uh, rabbit trailed there. <laughs> So after Rexay, we can talk about the sad mummy Amumu. This is one of my other favorite characters within the game of League of Legends that I personally really want to add into my world, <laughs> just because I like Amumu so much. But I have to like try and find this a place to make stop, it like Chris. <laughs> yeah, it, I have to like try and figure out where Amumu is going to go in my world. Uh, but Amumu is like, I almost think it's like. You think of like royalty being mummified in the ancient Egyptian world. I almost wonder if like a mumu was like this old young prince that ended up dying or something like that. Who like he's he ends up being this animated cadaver who like wanders the world trying to figure out who he really is. So it's like he doesn't know who he is, but he's just like aimlessly wandering through the world, like, Do you know who I am? Like Are you <laughs> I think of the old, like, are you my real mother, <laughs> like, type type storybook, like, except for this old, like, dying corpse of, like, a young child mummy walking around, and, like, the reason that he's called the sad mummy is because every time he tries to approach somebody, like, trying to figure out who he is, people, like, shy away from this thing, like, they, like, run away, like, what the heck is this thing, like, mummies are never nice, it's supposed to be, like, this nice mummy who's just trying to figure out who he is, uh... But so he comes out, he's, like, wrapped in all these wrappings, he has no knowledge of his, compa- of his past, and, like, because he's dead, because he can't make friends, because he, like, can't figure out who he is, he's, like, just sad all the time. Like, he just weeps all the time. He's known as a sad mummy, and so he's just, like, this this poor little creature wandering through the world, not really knowing what the heck's going on. You know this guy reminds me of, even in the looks of him? Uh, have you guys ever read or s- watched the movie Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I haven't seen it all. He re- he reminds me of Marvin the Paranoid Android. <laughs> life. Don't ask me about life. It's <laughs> 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 like so depressed all the time. <laughs> Here I am the, with a brain the size of a planet and you're asking me to get coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. That's who he reminds me of. I like it. <laughs> depressed little mummy creature walking around yeah but i Why don't i have any friends i just imagine like this this dude like rolling into a city and like everybody coming out with like their pitchforks yeah. and like <laughs> like torches like trying to kill this guy and he's just like i don't know who i am like i'm not here to hurt he's you he's totally bar he's he's like getting chased away he's like oh this old game <laughs> i almost wonder if you could like Hate it again i almost wonder if he could like be in your world and he's like slowly like he, he says, like, screw my old past, and he's, like, trying to blend into civilization, so he's got less and less mummy wrappings on, and he's, like, trying to hide them. So it like, looks like rotted flesh. Yeah, like, living in the world and stuff like that. I almost wonder if he could, like, do that type of thing. Like, live close enough to a city where people, like, will talk to him every once in a while, but people don't really understand him. He's, like, this misunderstood hermit that lives out in the woods. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be interesting. I love Amumu. I'm totally going to add him in there. Maybe he will become my next stomp. Oh, gosh. All right, the next uh, character, once again, this one's more of a monster like a lot of these that we've talked about, is called Skarner. And Skarner is this crystalline guardian that defends the entrance to a realm far beneath the surface of the Shuriman Wastes. Uh, Few survive trespassing in his domain, 
like many of the creatures that we've talked about, he, I imagine he has tremor sense. Uh, they just, those who do survive describe a creature of terrifying intelligence, anger, and precision. Uh, with his, with, uh, the thing is, uh, nobody really knows what it is that Skarner is actually protecting. Like, he, some kind of underground realm, but nobody knows what it is, nobody knows what's hidden there, but he he does his job so well that nobody's ever found out. That could be an interesting quest. Uh, this creature, Skarner, looks like a giant scorpion made of crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this would be a great like quest for NPCs to go out into the desert and have to find whatever it is that this this creature of legend is high is protecting. I imagine he would also. I think it would be cool to have him have a bunch of other smaller, uh, less intelligent crystalline scorpions uh, that like do his bidding and go out and um, gotta be deadly, gotta be poisonous. But that would be a cool quest. Yeah, well, his his uh his ultimate move in the game really he doesn't do any poison damage or anything like that. But what happens is like his tail shoots out like this crystalline like strand that like encapsulates whoever it touches and like he can drag them wherever they want. So it's almost like yeah. that could be like the move that he has that he uses on people. Like he could like pick them up and like take some of the NPCs mm-hmm. back into his lair with him, and then you have to like have your other NPCs like fight further into the lair to find their friends at that point in time. It'd be really interesting. He could be guarding, like, this crystal city underground or a crystal of great power. Perhaps if you get this crystal, you control Skarner. That'd be pretty sweet. You ride on the back of Skarner. Skarner Mount? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be sweet. (laughs) Riders riders of Shemesh. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Riders of Shemesh. Yeah, right? That'd be way cooler than a griffin. I'm just going to throw that out there. Crystalline, yeah. You can throw it out there as much as you want. <laughs> I will pay you a dollar in real life okay. to put it in there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Become a platinum. <laughs> Become a bronze dragon, maybe. I'll think about it. <laughs> All right, Andrew, who's the last one we're going to cover? All right, so we got Ramus, the best champion in League of Legends, hands down. Mained him for like two seasons. Not which, sure, Nasus If you don't know what League of Legends is, it's about two years. Um, he's... He's literally an armadillo. He's a, a turtle. <laughs> I, uh, I argue with that armadillo statement. A, a, t- a tiny varmint of some sort, but but he's massive. He has, a, he has a, sh- a spiked shell. He looks like a Koopa. He looks something out of Mario. Uh, but the, the thing is, he has almost no lore. He just he's a mysterious creature who just wanders the deserts of Shirima, and that's <laughs> that's about as far as Riot. Talks about him. He, he has a, a suit of armor. He's really quick, and that's that's all you can really say about the guy. <laughs> yeah, like some and of the, some of the questions that are asked are like, how did he become like this smart, intelligent creature? Why? How did he get a suit of armor? Like, what the heck? Where did this come from? What is he searching for in the Shreeman Desert? Like, why is he just wandering through there? You know, it's, I was easy there for a reason. Yeah, I would like to set the record straight. He is not an armadillo. I'm looking at the pictures right now. He's a turtle. He's an armadillo. He's a turtle <laughs> with spikes on his back. <laughs> That's what he is. He. My question. That he also I... doesn't speak, or he uh, he says very cool. limited vocabulary. He says okay, and does he say anything else? Is it just okay? I think. No. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he says. All anything he says else. is okay. All the champions in the game, you have um, Mm-mm. you can dance, you can taunt. 
You can laugh. What's the matter? He pulled up a picture of an armadillo. It's not an armadillo. Oh, I thought you were saying no to me. I was like, oh. I oh. think it is. No, it's not. It's a turtle. Look at his, look at his claws, man. He's got the same look claws. Look at his face. He's got the same claws as him. He has no him. nose. He has no ears. He's got the same claws. He's got armadillo claws, man. I'm pretty sure Ramos has a little tail, too, doesn't he? If he does, it's so tiny that you never really see it. Turtles like have tails, too. He looks like an armadillo. Turtles have it. No, he doesn't. He looks like a turtle. All right. I will argue he you does look not, more... We're not editing this out. You're listening to this podcast. You listen to this, <laughs> and you let us know. <laughs> Ramus. I will turtle or armadillo? Like and everybody who writes an armadillo is clearly a League of Legends lovers who just are den- in denial. Because <laughs> this thing's a turtle. <laughs> He looks more like a turtle, but he was also one of the first champions, and the graphics weren't that great. So maybe like <laughs> the graphics were pretty bad when it first came out. Like that technology was just not invented yet. <laughs> so they had to make him look more like a turtle. We, we, we we're need an armadillo. Go, we're gonna go into the Mario software. We're gonna take the Koopas. Listen, we're just gonna put one in the listen. Game. We need an armadillo for this game. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Technology, man. Best we can do is give you a turtle. <laughs> and call it an armadillo. Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> this won't come back to bite us in the butt, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. And then he's fully ripped from Sonic, too, by the way. Let us know. Yeah, with his spin shell move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah his spinning yeah. movie. Let us know. Spikes. Turtle, armadillo, or are you just extremely out there? Is he a hedgehog? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so there's... there's not a lot of lore behind it, but what I want to know is, I want to know if there's more of these things out there. Like, you said this thing, it's not, from, I looking at the picture, I picture a small character. You're saying this guy's also a big character, right? He's not he's, massive, but he's not like... He's medium-sized? He's, in yeah, D&D he's probably D&D medium-sized in yeah. D&D terms, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I want to, I want to, like, meet this race of people out in the desert lands. Like, the that's something that I would like to add to, like... My my world. I've already got so much in my world, but like I imagine they 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 might be the people who live right in that around that oasis. They might have their clerics out there. Praise the mother of life. Praise the mother of life. <laughs> but all they say the whole time is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Praise. Cool. Oh gosh. People come up. Hey, look at that turtle. Armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna spin shell attack you. <laughs> There's also a lot of mystery with one of his moves. Like he has the move where he. Goes into a ball, spins really fast, and goes around really quickly. Um, his other one is he gets better stats. He's a he's armor. More powerful, he just yeah. becomes a tank. He taunts then, people. Yeah, he has a taunt move, and it's like everything in the is, uh, the person. What that does he say to them to taunt them? So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what, is, taunt them so. what is the guy who says okay and cool or whatever? <laughs> what does he say to these people? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> it's just like this funny like inside joke. They're like. There's nothing. He probably says, I'm an armadillo, and they get so pissed. They're like, you're a freaking turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to crack you open and show you what you really are. So that's that's quite a few NPCs that I think that you should be able, if you want to, add them into your world in some way, shape, or form. In this world as well, there's also a couple of uh, possible items that you could add, a couple of like weapons that, that you could add into your world as well. And uh, The first one that I... I kind of, when I was looking through this, I love Nasus, as you guys have probably figured out throughout this podcast already. Uh, I love Nasus, and so I took his idea of his hammer, which has the ability to siphon life from people. I mean, he can siphon life from people, but I took that and added this into his hammer, and I called it Siphon Soul. And so what this thing, 
what this thing does is it levels up with the wielder as they go. Like so, when the the uh, the person is level six, level eleven, and level eighteen, they'll get a stronger weapon that levels up with them. Uh, this hammer is known to steal life from its opponent and give life to its wielder. It is a magically enchanted warhammer that Nasus uses. But your characters could come across this, whether it's in like a sarcophagus or whether it's given to them as like a gift. But so what would happen is if somebody found it between at, at first level, it would give two HP back per hit. Uh, at sixth level, it would go up to give four HP back per hit. Eleventh level, it gives six HP back per hit. And then 18th level, it gives HHP, 8 HP back per hit. So it's kind of like this weapon that levels up with your character as you go. Uh, so it's, I think that could be a really cool item that wouldn't be super overpowered at higher levels, but could be really cool to have that you just have a Warhammer that could steal life from people upon every hit. Uh, the next one that I have is, I added in was Sivir's Blade, the one that we talked about that's the key. Uh, it's a blade that has it's it's a four bladed throwing weapon that's formed into like a circular pattern. Uh, it works as like a blade a whirling blade attack would do, and so it will pass through all of its opponents in front of it in a sixty foot range. It does one d six damage per creature that it goes through, and it does not cost you a spell to use, and it instantly returns to you after making the last of its attacks, because uh, that's kind of what it does in the game. It goes out, comes back, goes out, comes back. Now you could you could tweak this a little bit because 60 feet is quite a ways if you have a lot of enemies in front of you. So you could tweak it to be 20 feet. You could tweak it to be 30 feet. You could tweak it to only be 10 feet, whatever you want it to be in in your game. Uh, but that could be a really cool item that once again is found within a tomb or you know the mercenary that you're walking around with dies or something like that on your your mission. You pick up her weapon. You figure out the power that it has. Whatever whatever it is. Um, or being guarded by a giant scorpion. Yeah, or being guarded by a giant scorpion. Maybe that's what's being held within the, the prison of Skarner. The last one that I have is somebody that we didn't talk about, because there's he's a pretty cool character, but there's not he didn't pertain to a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. Ezreal. Uh, Ezreal's bow is something that you could add. It's an ancient ascended wep like ascendant weapon that we talked about. Uh, it never needs ammo. It is a bow that shoots out beams of light in the form of an arrow from the handle. And so it does 1d8 damage to anyone that it hits, and it has the ability to slow their movement speed by half upon a hit. And so they must make a a, uh, a save in order to avoid the slow, avoid being slowed by half. So those are those are my three items that I I came up with just from talking through some of these NPCs I think, as well. I think a cool item that you could add in items like a material you could craft out of is if you have, um, depending on who you are, if you're an evil race, or possibly the turtle, because I'm going to call them turtles. <laughs> uh, the turtle kin are evil, or... The turtle squad. Yeah. The <laughs> they're all teenagers, too. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, but they are, possibly, if they are evil, or you have evil humans that hunt them down, you could have, like, turtle kin armor uh, yeah. built out of their shells. I think that would be... Oh, God, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty freaking sweet, I would say. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> You're yeah. a monster. It's got spikes you would, right oh, You wouldn't make a good shield. Yeah. Oh, shield. Yeah, that's Turtle true. Shell well, that's the thing, too. It could, Spiked. Like, it could be... Um, I mean, that could be part of that Turtlekin's... Uh, the Turtlekin's, like, own culture. Like, if somebody... If one of the turtles that they... I, turtle I formation. Of, all I can think of is, oh, am I not turtling up for the turtle? Yeah. Every time I say turtle, but uh, but I, like possibly a 
an old turtle ancestor passes on and they don't see it as a disrespect thing to like take the back shell and use it as a shield or like armor or something like that. I mean, they don't need it themselves for armor, but they could use it as a shield or something like that. Or maybe they make a wall. I mean, they add it to their wall or something like that as like the it's shield like, on the outside like of the a wall. a roof to their huts. Like, yeah. we're living under grandpa. <laughs> and grandma. Oh, and your uncle. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh, that there that'd be there's cool. the no. crazy there's our crazy listen, turtle ant who had a ton of cats. Listen to this about Turtle King culture. Their shells make their shells make their tombstones. You turn them on their side bellies and you write the R.I.P. on their belly shell. <laughs> That's sweet. Could be, could be an interesting totally culture like thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we've been so I you know as the guy who doesn't know about a lot about League of Legends but loving D and D and loving to learn about lore, I kind of was taking notes while we were going along. Uh, things that we uh, didn't have in the show notes, but things that we can, like, I want to point out is, like, grab onto these, use these as ideas from this lore in your own D&D world. Uh, first of all, we've talked a lot about uh, a couple of characters. Uh, specifically, we talked a lot about the Ascended characters. Uh, I think this idea of Ascended characters is a really cool thing. I think the idea of the Sun Disk, a magical object that's uh, linked to the a certain land that you would create that has the power to bring a a mortal to the point where they are almost godlike or godlike some kind of magical uh, item or object that transforms somebody from mortal to immortal godlike and there being some sort of ritual that you have to that's a cool thing to put into your world that's a cool thing that even I could see some players wanting to make that into their quest. Like, well, it wouldn't I just be, it wouldn't be just creature. players. I mean, you would have... I mean, if you oh, yeah. create all of the history of your world, there'd be wars fought over that mm-hmm. thing. And whoever controlled that thing might be the power nation of that time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, some other things that I found really interesting were I really like the anthropomorphic animal uh, champions that we talked about. Yep. Um, I think those are some things that you could create into races, like the crocodile races, uh, the falcon races, the jackal races, and of course the turtle, not armadillo, <laughs> uh, or hedgehog, but the turtle race. Like Those are some cool things that you could put into a desert-like world. I really liked the the oasis. That was really cool. We talked about that already. Yeah. I really liked the, what are the underground creatures? The Xersei. Yeah, I really liked the Xersei, uh, basically the worm-like creatures. I think if you're making a desert campaign, you got to have some kind of sandworms in oh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, those those are should be terrifying. Uh, shouldn't be all over the place. Well, it makes so wandering around in the desert. Can't go anywhere. Yeah, it makes wandering around in the desert that much scarier. Oh, yeah. yeah. You never know. Finding holes in the ground, knowing that you're near a sandworms, like, territory, that's incredibly scary. Yep, yep. <laughs> Um, I really love the Gorgons. I think that's a great thing to pull into your world, especially with that little bit of a twist that it's not that we talked about. It's not the it's not the sight that it's does not the it. sight. It's the the sound like they have a scream, almost like a banshee like mix mm-hmm. between Gorgon and banshee. And of course, like I said, I like the turtle people. So <laughs> those are some things that I pulled out of it um, that I thought might be good to run through uh, before we close it out. So that's all we have for you today on this episode of the Dungeon Master Block. We hope that you really enjoyed all of this lore that we brought forth from the land of Shirima, from the League of Legends game. 
if you would like to write into us and tell us all of your stories and how you use things like from today's episode and put them into your own world, uh, please do so. Chris, where can they write to us and tell us all about this? Yeah, they can, you can write us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. That's our email. Uh, send us some of your longer stories, or even if you want to, you could record your own story and send that in to us as well. Uh, those are always fun to listen to. If you haven't done so yet, go ahead and leave us a, a review on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. It helps us get our name out there. It helps us uh, spread the word about the Dungeon Masters block to help more Dungeon Masters who might possibly be in need of either some inspiration or a little pick-me-up or something like that to help them in their DMing cause. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher. We've been on there. Once we reach 100 iTunes reviews, like we said, we're going to do something cool. So get your name in there. You want to be in there for that. You can also follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DMS block. And you can also like our Facebook page. Both of those places will have updates about our podcast when we're recording. Uh, and also just we'll send out links to articles that are sweet, uh, memes, all that great stuff. Before we go, we have another Patreon member shout out. This week's Patreon member shout out is Luke Herbert! Woo! And Luke is from the UK. Thank you, Luke. Luke uh, really likes it when we talk in our British accent. Oh, from so, across the pond. From across the pond. Uh, TN Crumpet, so we are speaking to you right now in our British accent. Luke Herbert. Fish and chips. Sweep the chimney, governor. <laughs> Thank you, Luke Herbert. You are a silver dragon. This is the worst accent I could possibly do. How about you, Andrew? Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke Herbert, for all that you do. Thank you for your input on the forums. Thank you for uh, helping us to make this podcast a better podcast. Without any further ado, uh, we are closing out this episode. With that, we are closing out (laughs) this episode. (laughs) We're closing out this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing all the turtles, (laughs) and lowering the egos of all the players at the table. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Keep on dungeon mastering. Goodbye.